What's up, dudes? This is Chard with the Spokes and Chokes podcast, and this is your source for weird opinions from a BMX rider about MMA and occasionally BMX as well. Um, we are coming just after UFC 283, and uh, there's some stuff to talk about. I got a little bit of a sore throat, so we'll see how much of it I can get through or how quickly um, might have to do this in two sessions. We'll see. Um, but regardless, let's kick this shit off and talk about the main event and how really surprising it was. Um, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill was so much more than, like, yes, it was kind of what I expected in some ways, but also not. Um, I mentioned last time that there's a chance that Glover Teixeira's mileage has finally caught up to him and that it would really show in this fight, especially the, the being able to recover from the positively absurd war that Glover Teixeira had with Jerry, um, with Jerry Prochaska earlier last year. It's just the older you are, the longer those things take to recover from and some things you just never do. And that was one of those fights where, like, Glover's been old and slow and um, just been kind of gritting things out on toughness for a long time now. But um, that one, it's kind of the nail in the coffin, and it was kind of the perfect time for Glover to retire was after this fight. Because he absolutely poured whatever he had left in the tank as far as just heart and toughness. He poured every last bit of it out during this fight. And uh, I also got to give Jamal Hill credit. It's not just Glover being old, but also Jamal Hill proved to have a far better wrestling defense than I expected. Um, He clearly worked it as hard as he could, knowing that he would eventually have to fight somebody like Glover Teixeira. And uh, we just never really got to see much of it until now. So I got to give... Jamal Hill mad credit for what he was able to bring. Um and man it's it's sad but also it's one of those things where like Glover is such a classy dude in defeat that it's hard to even feel terrible about it cuz it was like such a gutsy like awesome performance to go out on. Not tear like a less like exaggerate like it's a similar feeling to Luke Rockhold Paulo Costa without it being as exaggerated as that fight was, um, but it's the same kind of like if a fighter were to go out on a loss, that's the perfect kind of loss to go out on, you know. So you you appreciate it for that, and uh, I can't shake the feeling that jerry is just gonna come back and smash this dude but mma's crazy and you never know and clearly jamal hill has been progressing dramatically in his ability um and who knows what sort of strides he'll have made by the time he has to fight jerry um which i can only imagine has to be the next fight it's gotta be um, it's just the one that makes sense. Uh, 
yeah, it was a great fight. Um, albeit there were definitely some clamorings for like stopping the fight before the last round, and it absolutely could have been stopped by the corner or by really anybody. Um, but you know. It, <sighs> If you're a fighter, you always have that feeling of like, yeah, but I could make something happen at the last minute. Like, there's always that little piece of you that's like, what if I'm Yair Rodriguez? What if I land the KO of the year in the last 10 seconds? You know, like a part of you is always going to feel that way. So it's up to your corner or, you know, it's up to other people to decide when you're done. Um so it's it's like it was cool to see just how incredibly gutsy Glover is but also he could have absolutely been spared the punishment he suffered in the last round um yeah but also another crazy it was crazy the crowd in brazil for this card where like glover Teixeira is an absolute legend and they should be like mad they should be cheering him they should be like absolutely adoring this man after this fight and after this incredibly gutsy performance he just put on for them and yet they basically went well you lost so fuck you and even to the point where when he calls for is like hey like you were throwing shit at Moreno. Can you like treat this guy with some respect? He's going to leave with me. They just booed him. It was embarrassing. And it really like, it really reminds you of just like, yeah, the crowd is like a crowd in Brazil has full of energy and they're really invested, but they're also bitter and uh, not pleasant to the fighters. The Brazilian crowd is a little crazy. Um, and it's a bummer. But moving on from that fight, Figueredo Moreno 4. It was a little disappointing, but at least what we did see of it went ahead and told us what that fight would have been had it gone longer. Um, as Brandon Moreno just showed he was the he was the faster guy and he had answers for almost everything. Um In the first two rounds, Moreno mainly worked one-twos um, with Figgy coming back after the one-twos, kind of countering with body shots, but he had a hard time really connecting them with much force as Moreno would come back, would get back out pretty quickly after the one-two. Um, there were a couple of guillotines that uh, Figueredo held on to that, like, were kind of, there was one that was really close um and then the other like he was on it but neither of them came to anything and really just like served to burn Figueredo's arms out uh at one point Figueredo tried for a heel hook because they were like kind of scrambling and if you're if you're mid scramble trying to lay back on a heel hook is not a par not a bad idea um and as expected from high-level 125ers, the scrambler, scrambles are going to be cool, and they're going to be fun to watch. Um, basically, what ended up 
ending the fight was Moreno cat caught a kick and threw this like loopy kind of left sort of like a sort of like a hook but it was like kind of straight arm the whole way and it was with the palm down where he hit Figueredo with like the knuckle of his thumb like the end knuckle of his thumb because he hit palm down and the knuckle went right into Figgy's eye and immediately closed it completely it was swollen and gross and then when he got him to the ground just continued to like rub his gloves in that eye <laughs> like it was it was pretty gross and ultimately it it made that eye so bad hopefully it's not permanently damaged which is something that Vigredo himself said um but that ended the fight between rounds by doctor stoppage because that eye was fucked I mean, you watch the replay, and the knuckle on that punch probably goes into his eye a solid half inch. Um, and it's not like it was an intentional thing. It was completely legal. It's just like the way Moreno throws those weird loopy punches sometimes. You end up hitting the side of your hand, or in this case, the top of his hand, where the, knuckle, where the thumb was, um, instead of on the glove. Or on, say, say if you're... Uh, palm in instead of palm down when you throw a hook or a looping punch where you kind of hit your like finger knuckles um it's just one of those weird things where like depending on where your hand is oriented the force can end up on a smaller point and can get in there and it just like it was unfortunate that it the fight ended that way but uh i definitely would say that the the fight was trending Moreno's way. He had uh, he had the upper hand in a lot of cases. And I suspect he was going to win it over the distance. Just because, like, there was always a slight speed differential where Moreno was a little faster than Figgy. But in this fight, it was more clear than ever where Moreno was definitely the faster guy. So while the result is not totally unsatisfying, it is a little unsatisfying. But, you know, I think it's nice to have that quadrilogy finally behind us so that, uh, you know, new contenders can come in like Alexandre Pantoja. I think Pantoja, uh, the rematch between Pantoja and Marino will be an awesome title fight to have in the near future. So that division is exciting as always actually like here for the long haul now because there's a lot of actually good fighters there that put on great fights so it was it's nice to have that behind us so that, that division can kind of move on from that story and get a little more variance going on uh gilbert burns and neil magny was kind of exactly what i said it would be except without any of the striking stuff without gilbert throwing leg kicks but funny enough he was using hip feints as if he was going to throw the low low kick the the calf kicks and the hip feints got magni to be a little more stationary because he was expecting to have to check kicks so it hurt his it hurt his footwork and made getting in on the shot that much easier uh Got in on a body lock takedown, 
and just methodically like methodically moved from half guard to side control to mount and like pressured his way like to the arm triangle with a little bit of ground and pound just to get Magni to kind of raise his arms to try and guard some of the ground and pound and then just slipped in, got the arm triangle. It was very, like, it was a basically, it was a perfect performance out of, uh, out of Gilbert Burns. It's similar, without, a, without the, uh, without the drama and the bombast that, uh, Kamzat beat the leech with, but it's that kind of one-sided result that happened in uh happened in gilbert versus neil magny like gilbert burns really showed that like not only is he a nightmare stylistic matchup for neil which we kind of saw going in like leading up to it but he's also just he is solidly in the top five for a reason at the end of the fight gilbert called out colby covington which great call out but um as is evidenced now by his booking with Jorge Masvidal, um, at least that makes me think that Colby versus Kamzat is more likely to be happening. Because um, otherwise, why would why the hell wouldn't you make Gilbert versus Colby? Like that'd be a, a really good fight to make, <clears throat> unless you have something better for Colby. Um, and to be re- be frank, like part of it too is who are you really gonna match masvidal up with that fans aren't gonna just think he's gonna get smushed uh because you can't do the colby fight and you're not gonna do the fucking fight with kamzat against masvidal because he's just like gonna get smushed so it's just like one of those things where you go, okay, well, what's the best fight for this guy to still be exciting so we can still make money off of his name value? Because Masvidal still does have some good name value. And turns out, best bet is Gilbert. Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade was definitely a fight where it was there was a lot of calling for the corner to stop that fight. Um, Cause by the end of the second round, Lauren was just getting absolutely clobbered. And there, the thing is Lauren's never had the kind of power to just pull off a hail Mary. And she's never had like a really slick grappling game to do the same there either. So like doing it in the striking or, or the grappling wasn't going to happen to get, you know, a surprise finish. Or at least it was extremely unlikely. And um, it's just, you hate to see fights like that where you just want to go, hey, like, it, you're done. Like, this isn't going to turn around. Let's save you, damn it. Save you the damage so you can come back stronger next time. So this isn't going to take too many miles off your clock. And um, that didn't happen in this fight. I mean, a big thing was there's just an enormous physicality gap where Jessica Andrade is just ridiculously strong. Like, she's just a little meathead. And she's explosive, and she was much, much faster than Lauren Murphy. Um, 
she hasn't really made a lot of strides as far as striking game. Um, it's better because she's she's mixing her kicks with her punches more. Um, she's using the inside low kick or the inside um, calf kick, which is a great weapon for her, and she's actually using it more. So I think she threw like a couple of them in her fight with Wei Li and they were good until you know that fight was what it was <clears throat> and it was decently effective against Rose but uh she's really figured out how to like mix it in with her punches but funny enough you would think oh well that's going to open up your opportunities for punches but she her she's still such a short like stocky like she's so hooky that Lauren could still see a lot of punches coming and kind of roll with or pull back from and like kind of mitigate some of the damage. She's still getting hit damn hard, but she was able to mitigate some of it because Jessica's punches are so predictable. Um, like if you watch that fight again, you'll notice the, the, the punches that hurt Lauren Murphy the most was a one, two. It was the only, pretty much a couple of the only straight punches that uh, Andrade threw in the entire fight. Because like, a, like I've talked about before, a lot of short stocky fighters just decide not to throw jabs and straight punches. Because they're like, well, I'm not long anyway, so it's not going to work. But Andrade threw this one too, I believe in the second round, and it rocked Lauren hard. And it was... <clears throat> Because it came in so much quicker than her hooks did. And uh, yeah, it, it would just serve her really well to use jabs more, use more straight punches, kind of mix those in as well as using her hooks. And it just give her a few more layers to the game. Because that way, if she adds more layers to the game, then she's a lot more likely to land shots that their opponent doesn't see coming. And really get those finishes that you need to catapult you back into title contention. Although, it's not the most difficult thing to do at 125, uh, women's 125 right now. But I hope that they take those, take notes and go, hey, like that one two worked, like mix those in more for her next fight and i think that would be really interesting to see how her game can evolve with mixing together her her tight short punches with one twos with <clears throat> with a jab and with low with the low line inside calf kicks just mix it up add more things like you can't lean on the muscles forever Look at Michael Chandler. The explosiveness in the muscles, really awesome. But if those muscles are coming in the same package every time, eventually your opponents are just going to know what you're going to do. Uh, between... <clears throat> at some point in the night also, I believe it was right before Lauren Murphy on uh Jose Aldo was inducted in the Hall of Fame rightfully so, as legitimately one of the greatest fighters of all time. 
um, if I were ever to suggest to someone to study a fighter, it would be Jose Aldo in terms of like just study a fighter to learn things and to learn good things to do and just like study technique and like, yeah, Aldo is, Aldo's a walking textbook. But not in the sense of everything he does is exactly perfect. It's just the amount of shit he does that is so high level is unlike almost every other fighter in terms of just like the sheer volume of things he does really, really well. And it was nice to see. I mean, Aldo, I figured he would end up in the Hall of Fame. I obviously, like, jumped him in pretty quick the second he retired, basically. But, um... And, like, what a fitting way to do it in Rio. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to see. And it, and it was nice to see how much it meant to him. Because, uh, the guy deserved it. Uh, Johnny Walker and Paul Craig. Um... Johnny Walker seemingly has returned, at least in part, to his reckless ways and just kind of spazzed out and physicalitied his way through Paul Craig, which, if you're a big, super physical guy, is a great idea. Great thing to do. Just blast into him with everything you've got because Paul Craig is very, very hittable. So if you're gonna do it, don't give him any time. Just try to get him out of there as quick as you can. And Johnny Walker did that. And the unlike a lot of times when you've got a favorite fighter that's like, oh, I'm, or you or a fighter you really like that has a setback and, you know, you, you're really bummed out because you're like, oh, are they ever going to be the same, blah, 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 things like that. Like, uh, I felt that way about Khalil Roundtree when he got finished by Johnny Walker back in the day of just like, oh, man, like, is he ever going to be the same? And then he went and had this, like, transformation in thailand where he like just did a bunch of muay thai for a while um but it took him a while to get back on track um and a lot of fighters have that i don't worry about that with paul craig paul craig is it's not the first time paul craig's just been finished because he's so hittable like paul craig's the sort of guy that afterwards is like oh well that didn't work you know, and just gets back on the horse and continues doing exactly what he was doing. Like, he kn he knows what he is, and he doesn't have, like, an identity crisis when he gets knocked out. He's just like, well, got knocked out that time. Oh, well, next one. And he, he's, main he's managed to maintain a position in the top 15 for a while there, just now, just by doing that. And just by being, like, a little crazy and just being willing to take punishment and throw up Hail Mary submissions and like just awesome Paul Craig stupidness so I'm not worried about it um once again we still like we haven't learned anything about Johnny Walker it's like okay you went from old Johnny Walker who was just a spazzy crazy person throwing flying knees and things to new trying too hard to be technical Johnny Walker and then decide and then in the process not knowing what to do at all and now he's just I don't think he's found a happy medium I think he's just gone spazzy again 
but we'll see how much and it, it it's so hard to just f- try to figure out exactly where this dude's at and what this dude's gonna look like in the long term like is he just gonna keep flip-flopping or is he gonna actually be able to find a happy medium where he can use his explosiveness in a smart way i don't have any faith that's gonna happen but i'm interested to find out uh I guess I'll pronounce his name Ihor Potieria versus Shogun. Uh, is a fight that didn't need to happen. In fact, Shogun's last like five fights are fights that didn't need to happen. Um, Shogun was in Pride in 2003. Why is he still fighting? We're talking about 20 years. That's what we're talking about right now. 20 years at the highest level. With the crazy with the gnarliest killers that are all juiced to the gills. Like, we don't need him to get styled on by some Ukrainian kid who does a Fortnite dance after. Like, there is no reason to do it. It doesn't build up Potieria's name. All it is is a sad end for a legend. And yeah, and I know I get kind of mad about this shit, but it's just, it's a bummer. It was stupid, and it has the same kind of like, just, God, why? As Frankie Edgar's last fight. Just, ugh. It sucks. But, uh, next we're going to talk about robocop and bruno ferreira bruno the hulk ferreira um the battle of the dudes that look like their nicknames because robocop stands and moves like robocop with his head just as stationary and bruno ferreira looks like the eric banna hulk a little bit (laughs) between like hairstyle and the way his like traps kind of blend into his square head like he looks a little bit like the like early like the ang lee hulk from 2003 like cg hulk with eric panna (laughs) like that nickname is not because he's jacked is not because he's like huge and jacked but because he like looks a little silly but i love it and uh man bruno i didn't do any research on who this dude was uh at all because he was a late replacement and I just didn't have the time. Or really, to be brutally honest, the interest. But man, was I proven wrong. Uh, Bruno Ferreira was slick. He was fast. He switched stances a lot. And he was effective from both stances. Uh, and just took advantage of old Hobocop's stationary head. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez, for those of you who don't know who Robocop is, uh, Gregory Rodriguez. Uh, he's always had a very stationary head. He doesn't have head movement at all, really. Uh, he just kind of like leans back a little to try to avoid punches, but he mainly just trusts his chin because he's very, very tough and has a good chin. Um, but man, like if you watch this if you watch this finishing sequence it's really just bruno throwing some feints out getting nothing back 
and then just launching a left. Uh, like, he's, he's like, okay, what are you going to do? Oh, nothing? Cool, I'll hit you then. Like, that's, like, textbook, like, what you should do if faints go, un- go unheeded or unresponded to. Is like, okay, well, now I'm going to throw it for real. And when he threw it for real, he threw it hard. And ended up putting putting Robocop out, like, completely. Um, I'm not sure how soon this... Robocop's been fighting a lot. Let's find out how much. Because uh, I feel like that fight against... Um, Oh, now I feel bad. Kennedy and Jukwu. I feel like that fight against Kennedy and Jukwu was not that long ago. Um, which, that's a rough fight to follow up in... Oh no, Chidi and Jukwani. Wow, the dude. Those African dudes' names. The guys that are like actually like from Africa, Africa. Like, Kennedy and Jukwu. Chidi and Jukwani. Uh... Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I'm not sure where he's even from. But like those it's so easy to mix those dudes' names up, so I my apologies to Chitty and Jaguani. But uh So yeah, that fight was in September. So So it was four months gap between that crazy fight where he got rocked multiple times and had that giant gash in his forehead. Um, which, you know, from an MMA fighter's perspective, is like, oh yeah, four months is lots of time. But in reality, that's on top of another crazy fight, another fight with, uh, Julian Marquez, who didn't hit him that much, but still is another fight. And then he fought Armin Petrosian, which he lost a split decision to in february before that so he had a he had a good amount of abuse throughout the year and the worst of which came against Njigwani in uh in september only four months ago so could that be a part of him being as easily knocked out as he as he was maybe I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it. Um, but part of it too is just like Bruno just hit him with a really nice shot and just was on the button. So I'm excited to see where Bruno goes from here. Um, I'm not going to have the same reaction a lot of people had to say like when... Um, Wow, I'm just the worst with names the names tonight. Uh the Australian fighter that got a knockout and then everybody went like, oh, he's technical now. And then he got just blasted in his next fight. Um I'm not gonna have too high, like super high hopes, be like, oh Bruno's the next big thing. But I'm excited to see what he goes to next. Um I think him against like similar to like a fluffy hernandez like somebody 
similarly athletic and uh, technical would be a really fun matchup for the guy. Uh, I'm definitely going to pay attention to what he does next. Next, uh, Tiago Moises just outclasses and outgrapples his last-minute replacement and eventually gets the face-crush finish. Uh, the old, like, it doesn't... I don't actually need to be over, be under the chin right now because I've got that kind of squeeze. Uh, you'd be surprised how often face-crushes work for strong dudes. That's you don't it's like for a long time the like prevailing mentality for mma is when somebody's you know got the back you'll always hear the announcers be like it's not under the chin or like oh it's almost under the chin. like it, that'll always be like the the giveaway for like when the finish is going to happen but if you go into like a jujitsu gym you'd be very very surprised if you have like if that's where you're coming from being familiar with that, you'd be very, very surprised how many rear naked chokes get finished that aren't under their shin. It's a lot. Because, uh, you know, a really good squeeze over the chin hurts so bad. It's awful. Um, and it worked, and it also works on high-level fighters. I mean, Conor McGregor was finished with one. Um, this, I mean, this dude was finished with one who was like, he, I think he has vitiligo is why he looked so strange. And he like styled his sideburns to like kind of go with it. It was, it was actually pretty cool. The guy's got a, a cool sense of style. Um, but he was a last minute replacement for Tiago Moises as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of guys have tapped a lot of really high level guys will tap to a face crush i mean the last guy rda fought which again i am so awful with remembering things right now my apologies um uh. Oh yeah, Brian Barbarina. Same deal. Like, RDA... Like, Brian Barbarina is a tough son of a bitch. Like, he is a guy that would you would never call that dude a quitter. But, he also doesn't like having uh, permanent damage that will prevent him from fighting again. Which, then you tap. Like, it's not like this weird honor thing where, like some brazilian guys or i'm sure a lot of the russian guys are like if you catch them in a submission they'll just like never tap to it you have to put them out put them unconscious or break them like that shit's dumb like how like well like the guy who um who fought mikey musumichi i'm so bad at pronouncing his name i think it's musumichi but uh, that guy that grappled with Mikey Musumichi in his uh, in one championship, there was that like Sambo champion versus Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy, and like the Sambo guy, like they don't do leg locks, so he like knew nothing about them, and then just got his like knee torn to pieces. 
um like actually had his knee like horrifically ruined and he's just like no i won't tap and it's like dude how much are you getting paid to do this i don't think it's enough to like lose a year and a half of competition and god knows how much in like actual having to get surgery and like all this other shit as well as like where are you gonna get the surgery are you gonna get the surgery in russia like are you gonna get it somewhere where like it might get fucked up or you have to get multiple surgeries on the same knee like there are so many so many reasons to just do he's got you in a leg lock he's gonna tear all the ligaments in your knee just tap don't don't be stupid but you know weird russian honor system required him to ruin his career potentially um but you know it's like that's kind of how i feel about that sort of like the neck crank stuff and like face crushes and like just general like rear nakeds that aren't under the chin where it's just like all squeeze and like using the back lever i i don't know what the actual technical term is but like it's what khabib used and uh what rda will use sometimes and like um one of the brazilian dudes did that too recently i talked about it on the podcast actually i forget his damn name but um just a really awesome like fighter that also was just like old man strength and just like made it work it was guido guido did it to the guy too where he just like used the like back lever and just wrenched it where you like you gable grip uh instead of doing the like figure four with your arms you go to a gable grip and then drive your elbow downward against kind of their the back their back and like shoulder blades as you kind of pull down and it kind of wrenches your arm up it's just a really strong grip to use and uh you you see it more often with like neck cranks and face crushes than with like a normal choke. <clears throat> um, but getting back to the fights, got three left to look to that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'll just bunch the two Bonfim brothers together. They both had great performances, like really awesome, um, but very very different. Uh. Gabriel Bonfim versus Munir Lazez. It was just a cool finish. It was super fast. Uh, they kind of had a quick, like, sloppy flurry and then got into a clinch. And then Lazez kind of, like, went for a little bit of, like, a half-hearted kind of takedown attempt. I think his pl- it looked like his plan was to kind of feign a takedown and then come up with strikes or something. And uh, Bonfim, being re- actually really tall, just snatched up the guillotine and then jumps full guard so hard that he just rolls all the way over to mount and just like finishes him with a a mounted guillotine it was just cool um just a really dynamic looking thing that like if you want to put your name you want to put yourself on the map in your ufc debut that's a hell of a way to do it um and then Ismail Bonfim fighting Terrence McKinney. Terrence is usually kind of an all-for-nothing glass cannon. 
um, but in his seeming effort to be more measured, we really got the full like brunt and understanding of just how just how much harder of a time he has when he's on the back foot. And uh, you pair that with Ismail's explosiveness, and it was just a rough night for Terrence. Um, yeah, he just, just him being on the back foot, it made it a lot harder for him to counter-strike. Because normally he'll pressure and then he'll he'll try to draw count he'll try to draw strikes out so that he can punch. Uh, so he can counter punch or like start his own combinations, or he'll try to like overwhelm with volume. Um, when Terrence can dictate the pace, he's a real like problem. Um, but man, like when he was pressed up against the fence, he he you could see kind of a little bit of the nervousness on him, nervousness on him. I think a big part of that too is just being in Brazil with that crazy crowd and like. They're definitely the Brazilian crowd is always very hostile against outsiders. I mean, they're always chanting like, "like you're gonna die" and like shit like that. In Brazilian, of course, I don't know what the word is, but like, they're always like super hostile. And I mean, their behavior was especially bad um, on this night. So I'm sure that didn't help Terence's mentality either, and it's like hesitance uh and terrence has shown that he doesn't have the best chin ever you know he's he's he needs to be working his game or he's vulnerable and last we're gonna we're gonna end it with a stupid one and that's jailton almeida fighting shamil abdurahimov this one I mentioned last time. That there's just a massive physicality gap. Almeida is a big, strong beast that, um, despite not, despite being able to make 205, is absolutely more muscular than a ton of heavyweight. He just doesn't have the flab on top to give him the extra weight. I mean, if you look at him and Shamil, like I know who's got more mu- I know who's got more meat on his bones. It's not Shamil. Um, and yeah, like, but Almeida's so weird and kind of clumsy and hesitant. Like, he gets he gets these like weird double legs. It's like he kind of shoots for a low single a little bit, but then he just like kind of crawls up because he shoots for so low it's almost like ankle pick low when he shoots for a double and he shoots crazy low kind of gets his hand around something and then just like crawl like he'd like devil man runs his like way up if you've seen that anime you know what i'm talking about uh kind of crawl like long man runs his way up to try and actually get his arms around um and then just Gets the hands locked under the butt, slams Shamil to the mat, controls him from there, and uh, in the first round, Almeida was just way too focused on trying to work for a submission and like kind of forgot that MMA has ground and pound too. In fact, it's like the single 
most distinctive thing about MMA is that there are ground strikes in Ground and Pound. Um, and Almeida kind of just forgot they were existed and was just like working for working for position to try and get a submission in a very like blue belt in a very like blue belt sparring with a two stripe white belt kind of way where he's just trying really trying hard to do everything correctly and just kind of work his way in there and by the end of the round threw a couple strikes and went oh ground and pound's good (laughs) and uh then once he really focused on that in the second round it it didn't take him long to put the nail in the coffin but he kind of like he needed that little bit of success with some ground and pound to go oh yeah this is good and then just like went after it and it worked <laughs> i was like oh cool yeah i love this um oh it's so funny but he's one of those guys where you're like he is riding on pure physicality and with a good coaching staff with a good team could probably get molded into something really solid and probably really have the potential to be a contender on physicality alone. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's beating like, I don't think he's beating the Cyril Gons or, uh, or even a tie to Ivasa or a, uh, or like a Tom Aspinall with his current level of skill just because he hesitates too much and his the things he does feel very very simplistic and he's just like he's the big guy that's just like oh I just use my strength to do the the basic thing and then it'll just work because all the counters to it won't work because I'm too strong kind of like that's the feeling I get off of Almeida. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm losing my voice. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the impression I get off of Almeida. Um, but it's nice to have an injection of athleticism and, and interestingness to actually like have some exciting fights at heavyweight because so much of heavyweight is just so bad. Like I'm, I'm tired of J- the Jake Colliers of heavyweight. And just kind of being filler for cards. Like, it's just, it gets old. So, having Jelton Almeida there is really cool, rather than him just being, like, another weirdo at Light Heavyweight. Like, Light Heavyweight's got plenty of weirdos. Heavyweight needs more of them. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the card. That's, uh... Shit, what's the number? I guess it's 283. Oh, why do I even pay attention to what these stupid UFC numbers are? Ugh. Yeah, 283. No, I, I had it right. But that's UFC 283 um, in two parts because life gets in the way and I had to cut it in the middle, but got through it (laughs) where i'm gonna make another one for the wrap-up that i the year-end wrap-up that i keep talking about and never actually doing um because i know that one i'm gonna geek out and end up doing a longer episode so 
I will actually get around to doing that because, well, there's not much happening. I, I don't know if I'm even going to talk about the stupid Derek Lewis card that's happening. Derek Lewis is headlining another card for some reason. Why? Uh, because Big Man must headline, I suppose. Like, this card coming up is weird. Derek Lewis and Sergei Spivak, neither of them sell. Neither of them are terribly interesting. Uh, like, I don't even know. It's not even in Texas or somewhere. It's it's an Apex fight. So it's like, why? I guess it's just the best thing they had. Because when you look down the card, you go, oh, this is just, we've got a bunch of people on the roster that that have need to have their contractual fights. And so we'll just get a bunch of them done in a row. Like, we'll just get a bunch of them done together because we don't know what cards to put these things on. It's also weirdly a, like, just all the Asians card. <laughs> it's like, you got... Let me see here. Other than the main event and Marcin Tybura and Blagoy Ivanov... Another couple of just sloppy heavyweights. Other than that, I think every other fight has an Asian on it. Yeah, you got Daun Jung, Devin Clark, which that one actually could be fun, because Daun Jung is really good. Uh Duho Choi, Kyle Nelson. Oh, another Canadian's gonna get beaten. It's gonna be sad. For me. Uh Yusaku. Kinoshita versus Adam Fuggett. Uh, got a dude from Indonesia, Jeka Saragi, and Anshul Jubli from India, who doesn't have a picture on the UFC website. A lot of people on here don't have pictures on the UFC website, for being real. Got a South Korean dude, Jong Young Lee. Versus Yi Za from China. Oh, should I just skip reading through all of these? Maybe I should. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, lot of Asian dudes on this card, and I don't know why, but hey, I'm not gonna complain because a lot of them are cool. Like the Iron Turtle Jun Young Park is on this card fighting Dennis Tululin. Uh, so there will be some. Probably some cool grappling in that one. And then Tatsuro Tyra's back versus Jesus Aguilar. And Tatsuro, Tatsuro Tyra was like a really, he did some like awesome grappling stuff last time, which during his debut. He's like really young Japanese dude. But yeah, this card's, eh, it's probably going to be mostly ass and then have a few cool little things on it that I might mention, but. Maybe I'll throw that in as a little bonus at the end of the, like, 2022 recap and, like, quote-unquote awards or whatever. But without further ado, I'm going to call it for the night, and I will talk to you dudes next time. God bless Glover Teixeira, and I wish him the greatest retirement to coaching role possible. <laughs>